So as you guys may be aware, we announced that today is going to be Sanctity of Life Sunday here at Westside. Many churches across the nation are taking time to observe this important Sunday. Um, Of course, we talk about uh, these issues often here from the pulpit. God has, of course, given us a bold pastor, and I'm learning. Um, You can't run with lions and and not let it rub off on you from time to time. And um, however, um, one of the greatest tragedies of our generation is what's taking place with the abortion industry. And um, so we want to take the time today uh, to, to speak to this. Um, one of the organizations that we partner with and that we, uh, we are consistent in giving towards and, and uh, we are thankful for is CareNet. Um, they're in Lancaster. And of course, they help young women um, who are in uh, that time of life where they are deciding. And of course, they provide ultrasounds, other health care needs, and, and uh, we're so thankful for them. But I have a video that uh, they sent over for us, and uh, it's three minutes, and we're just going to watch this video, and then we're going to get right into the message this morning. Created for purpose, a unique genetic blueprint from the moment of conception. DNA woven together to determine gender, eye color, hair color, fearfully and wonderfully made. Valued beyond measure. Our culture says life is disposable. Her rights matter most. It's not really a baby. And it's all one big choice. But God created us in his own image and whispered, I have called you by name. You are mine. In the United States, abortion is legal throughout the entire pregnancy, totally unrestricted. Most recently, abortion has been boxed up in the form of two little pills and a promise to make it all go away. What will you do to make a difference for life? How can you be a voice? Will you help save a life? There are over 2,700 pregnancy centers in the United States, serving men and women free of charge and full of hope, providing pregnancy tests, life-affirming counsel, abortion recovery, classes, clothing, and diapers. Many centers offer the first glimpse of a woman's baby in the womb displaying the magnificence of creation and the precious beats of a tiny heart, perfectly formed and fashioned by the one who created them. They serve faithfully, love well, encourage, they are hope dealers. They need volunteers, your prayers, and your financial support. Will you please give generously and help make a difference for life today? If you want to, uh, to partner with CareNet and to serve or give or whatever the Lord will put on your heart to do um, to be a part of the solution. And uh, I'm going to tell you guys, this was probably one of the hardest weeks of preparation for a message in my life. Um, just the weight of this, you know, the weight of 
speaking about this subject that I believe is, is near and dear to God's heart. I believe his heart is grieved when he looks at our nation. And throughout, uh, I believe since, you know, 1973, when abortion was made, you know, legal in this, in this nation, we've seen a whole generation of babies killed off, multiple generations, I would say. Um, statistics are clear that we're approaching um, 60 million babies aborted. And uh, just to give you the kind of scope of the magnitude of that number, um, you know, Los Angeles, which is, you know, of course, an hour down the, the road, um, the greater Los Angeles population is, is uh, 4.5 million people, right? And it's the second largest city uh, in the United States. And, and um, But we've seen uh, that many babies aborted in this nation. And I can't help but think about the, the, the pain that God must feel, the, how grieved he is as this nation goes on day after day allowing these to continue. Statistics also tell us that right now, one in three baby that is conceived in the U.S. is aborted. Let that sink in. We have completely, as a nation, waved our fist in the face of a holy God and said to him that you are not the ultimate when it comes to life. You don't get to tell us or inconvenience us with life. Now, I want to start this message off today not condemning anyone who has gone through abortion, who has conceded to one, or any men who have coerced a woman to in the life that was in her womb, we, we won't condemn you. We love you. And we, also, we, we actually have a group in our church uh, that help women who are going through post-abortion tra- trauma, who are working through that. And, and um, truthfully, uh, these women will tell you, and I've talked to a few, that you, you really never get over it. The emotional toll um, long outlives the physical toll on your body, not to mention that. I know of women who have gone through this and they were never able to conceive a child after that. And um, so, needless to say, this is a heavy topic today. Sometimes I believe God purposefully wants us to feel the sorrow, the somberness of certain topics Our Lord and Savior Jesus was a man who was acquainted with sorrow. He was a man who often wept. He was a man who understood what it is to experience heartache. And I think we as a church, we've done a lot to distract ourselves from issues like the one we're going to address today. And I'm afraid that our legacy, if we don't allow God to, to, to wake us up, to, to uh, call us to action, consistent action, I believe our legacy will, will have to, no doubt, include the fact that we, on our watch, 
this is, this is taking place in our nation. So the text this morning from the message is called Sanctity of Life. Um, is Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1. Very familiar text, verses 4 through 5. Of course, this is the prophet Jeremiah. He actually was called of God in his early teens to go to his nation while he was just a youth. And, and uh, he is, of course, sharing his encounter with God. And in verse 4, he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Let's pray, then we'll get into the message. Father, I just ask that you would give me clarity, give me compassion, give me uh, the words that you want me to say. Lord, I don't want to dishonor you in any way. But God, I do pray that you would touch hearts, that you would embolden us, Lord, fill us with your spirit so that we can uh, be agents of change when it comes to this matter of life in this nation. God, it seems to be impossible, but honestly, you are the answer. Revival is the answer. God, we ask that you would, through us, through reviving your church, that there would be a return to righteousness in this nation, that there would be a fear of the Lord in this nation once again, or that there would be a respect and a, a just a reverence for you like we haven't seen in this generation. And God, we know you can do it. Lord, I do pray for those who have gone through the horrific experience of abortion, and I pray you would just comfort them, that you would draw some today who need to be saved, that you would, uh, someone would stumble across this on social media and, and just be encouraged in some way, God. And Lord, we are careful to acknowledge that without you, we can't do anything of any lasting importance, and we want you to have your will and your way. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Raymond Dunn Jr. was born with severe physical and mental disabilities. He could not speak. To compound his difficulties, he, at the age of five, he developed an extreme allergic reaction to almost every food imaginable, except one special formula that Gerber produced. And it was called the meat-based formula for babies. But due to its declining sales and demand for the product, Gerber discontinued this formula. Raymond's parents, you know, they scrambled and they tried to find alternatives. They, they tried dozens and dozens of alternatives, but each one made Raymond sick. The Gerber Corporation was so kind to supply the Dunn family with all of the known cans of the meat-based formula. But finally, all the reserves were exhausted. 
Soon, Mrs. Dunn had to resort to reaching out to political figures and even made her way up to the president. But she soon realized that the only one who could really help her was Gerber. When some of the employees of Gerber were made aware of Raymond's situation, they decided that they could do something about it. They began to find all of the ingredients that were necessary for the the meat-based formula, and they began to set up the equipment needed to, to produce it. And to no cost to the family, these employees uh, made, uh, produce, mass produce as much as they possibly could of this formula for Raymond. In essence, they saved Raymond's life. And they thought it was worth it. The value of one life. Well, I want to say the purpose of Sanctity of Life Sunday here at Westside is to once again remind us of the value of one life. The value of human life. God has put a premium on human life. He has made it very clear throughout the scripture that he knows everyone, every life that's conceived, he gives the consent Every child in the womb, they matter to him, and he knows them. Every one of them have a purpose. And though we live in a country where there has been the the lies that have been sold to the general public that it is just a form form of tissue, or it's just, uh, if you do it early enough, it's not really, it's a fetus, not a child. We know what God says about the matter. We know that every life matters to God and that if we are going to make a difference, we too have to be reminded of the value of life, the sanctity of life. I want you to notice with me, first of all, this morning, the ultimate importance of life. As Jeremiah recounted in Jeremiah 1, he said, God said to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You see, life is important. Human life is important because God is the giver of human life. God gives life. No other can give life. No other has to say when a life is to be created. And I want us to understand the, the importance of this because we sometimes we look at people and we look at them as they are not direct, I would say this, creations of God. Someone in the image of God. Someone that Jesus thought worthy to be created. Someone who bears his image. Someone who he loves and has a purpose for them. God is the giver of life. Oh, in Genesis chapter 2, we learn this. We get more details into the, the, the initial creation of man. And the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being, or the King James Version, the old King James says, a living soul. I want you to understand something. There is a part to every human life that is eternal. That is eternal, the soul. Uh, God breathes into every human life. 
his, uh, a soul, uh, the most valuable thing, uh, uh, thing in the world, in the universe, I would say. Jesus put it this way, what profit a man if he gained the whole world, but he lose his soul? One soul to God is more valuable than everything in this world, every precious metal, every uh, wealth system, every position of power. In God's economy, one soul is more valuable. This matter of life is of the utmost importance because God is the giver of life. Oh, David spoke about it in Psalm 139, verse 13. He says, for you formed my inner parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to tell somebody today, you weren't, you weren't an accident. You weren't an afterthought. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm telling you, God loves you. And while you were in your mother's womb, this is why this is such an important issue. God formed you. This is what uh, David was speaking about, how God was forming his eternal organs. And that in verse 15, he, he goes on to say, you know my frame. And I believe there he was talking about his skeletal system. Oh, it's amazing. You know, uh, as you who are parents, you've gone to those ultrasounds and you've seen how they're able able to see uh, the number of vertebrae forming in the, the back of that baby. They're able to see the, the skull and everything forming very uh, early on into this uh, process that God sparks and starts in a womb. I'm telling you, it is miraculous, the gift of life and what he does. It is too marvelous for us to understand. This is what David said, marvelous are your works and my soul knows very well. We've got to value life because God values life. A heartbeat in a child can be detected within 18 days of conception. Within 40 days, brain waves. Most abortions take place between the seventh, after the seventh week. Supporters of abortion have stopped trying to argue that when life begins, because science has confirmed that life begins very, very early. <laughs> At the moment of conception, cells begin to duplicate. DNA, every, everything about the child is already, already there. It is of the utmost importance life is because God is the giver of life. I want us to just think about this. How because of the creator, the creation is of value. You know, I could, I could try to make a car, right? <laughs> and, and, um, Probably wouldn't run. <laughs> Probably wouldn't look very good design-wise. But if Enzo Ferrari <laughs> were to make it, it, it'd be worth a lot more. And I just want to, I know this is a terrible illustration, but God is the, the maker of life. He has his stamp on every life, and that says it's of immense value. The sanctity of life, it means the, the, uh, the sacredness of life, the importance of it, the set apart. We are set apart from other, other creation. Uh, I am, you know, people 
will tie themselves to, to trees so that they won't be cut down. People will, will boycott fashion shows and throw ink on the mink coats because animals' lives were taken to formulate it. You know, people will, 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 will go to battle to save the whales, but I'm wondering today, where are God's people who are willing to sacrifice for the lives of children? Who are willing to speak up to this issue? Oh, God puts a premium on children. Do you forget that our Savior came in through a womb? Oh, no doubt. After he was born, the enemy tried to snuff his life out when Herod sent out the decree. But of course, God, of course, warned uh, uh, his father and Joseph in a dream, and they were able to escape. Oh, I'm telling you, Moses, oh, the, the midwives were told by Pharaoh to, to kill every one of those, uh, throw those baby boys uh, from the Hebrews because they were getting too strong in number into the Nile River where no doubt they would drown if not be eaten by the gators found in there. And I'm telling you, uh, those midwives feared God. They knew that God was the giver of life. So they, they denied uh, Pharaoh and what he did, and they hid those babies. And, and I'm telling you, Moses came for, his name means out of the water, and he was a deliverer. And I can't help but think of all the lives that have been snuffed out in the womb. Who was God sending? Maybe it was the next great evangelist that God would use to bring a revival. I don't know. I, I just thought about it this week as my heart broke over the statistics that are clearly showing that uh, life in the womb is not valued in this world. We've got to wake up and seek God for this nation because God is primed and he is righteous to judge a nation like this. A nation who has waved their fist in his face and said the most basic of, 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 of moral issues, the most, the most, I think, simple things to understand between right and wrong is that you should not harm helpless lives. But we live in a day where children are aborted regularly. Children are, who make it are abused at the highest rate, sold, trafficked. We live in a nation where our government is complicit to human trafficking. You, you guys think it's political, huh? No, it's bigger than that. <clears throat> but you think it's a coincidence that they're so upset that the border was going to be closed? You want to know why? Because human and drug trafficking was going to be impacted. Oh, you can talk to some police officers in this room who see the atrocities that are taking place in this nation firsthand and and, um, we've got to be seeking God for revival. Life is of the utmost importance, the ultimate importance because God is the giver of life, but also, every human is an image bearer. Now, I want to just speak to this for a moment. See, God said to Jeremiah, before you were born, I sanctified you. <clears throat> he set him apart for a purpose. He says, I ordained you for, to be a prophet of the nations. I, you were going to be my man. 
for my purpose. While you're in the womb, I had a plan for you. You were a, to bear my image. You were to speak my word. You were to uh, fulfill my call on your life, Jeremiah. And I'm telling you, this is true for every child that's born. I'm telling you, parents, you need to look at every one of those babies that God has blessed you with and know that God has a purpose and a plan and a will for their lives. And, and, and our job is to point them to Jesus and, and to teach them to fear him and to follow him. And I'm telling you, I'm, from the time that we were, before we were in our mother's womb, God had a plan for us. I stand here today because there was a woman who felt that life mattered my grandmother, Della May, and uh, she had 12 children, six boys and six girls in the South, Louisiana. <laughs> when she was pregnant with my mom, the doctors urged her to have an abortion because of how my mother was placed in her womb, and it was excruciating pain. And the doctors urged her, Miss Della, we know you, you fear God, but you, you and the baby could die. And, uh, but my grandmother, she grew up, she was, she was staunch into the, she got saved, let me tell you this, um, at a Billy Graham crusade. But um, she, she always stuck with the Catholic Church. She never, her whole life, she, she, she went to the Catholic Church, even before she passed away. In 2012, she would walk to church almost every other day. And anyways, she, she didn't believe in abortion. And she was going to trust God through it, is what she said. And so the priest would come to her. She could no longer go. For most of the pregnancy, she was on bed rest. And the priest would come to her and give her communion and, and pray with her. And, you know, she went through the pain of that pregnancy and um, ultimately, she delivered a healthy baby girl, my mother. And um, the church all but gave her down in New Iberia, Louisiana. They all but uh, gave her sainthood <laughs> for the sacrifice that she made. And I understand that not all circumstances are the same. I'm not saying that it, um, there's, it's, all, it's all black and white. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that if you talk to most medical doctors, very, very, I would say less than 1% of abortions are done because of medical reasons. Usually it's inconvenience or, or fear that you won't be able to, and to provide a certain life for a child. And, and I would just say, you know, choose life, young woman, young man. Because there are, because God is greater than what your circumstances are. And he can make a way where there is no way. I watched that play out in my home when my sister was pregnant in high school. And we were already very, very poor. I'll share it with you guys. But, but i never forget that day. It was, of course, shocking to us. She, she um, was, of course, afraid to tell. So I think she was four months before we, we found out. And, um, of course, it was difficult, but it brought our family together. We were excited for the new life. I'll never forget the day that my nephew came home. He was, he was perfect, and I fell in love with him. And 
And yes, it was difficult. Yes, we, there were sacrifices made. We were all in this two-bedroom apartment, and, but we made it work, and, and it was joyful. Christmas was even more joyful. Uh, every day was more joyful. Even though there was uh, much by the way of needs, God made up the difference, and he's 20 years old now, and he's, he loves the Lord. And I'm telling you, uh, we've got to get out of our little uh, boxes and, and start to reach out to people and start to make a difference when it comes to these, these circumstances. We ought to set a portion maybe of our resources. Some of you, you're going to, uh, you, you're saving up this nest egg to give to some children who aren't following the Lord, who don't have a heart for the Lord. I would dare say to you, parent, you, I would take those resources and I'd invest it in things like CareNet. I'd invest it in things that will outlive me. I'm telling you, We've got to wake up and get about the Father's business. And I think if Jesus was on the earth today, he'd be very more concerned with this issue than we are. We've got to understand the importance of life because each and every human that we come in contact with and everyone in the womb, they bear his image. We are his creation. God said it, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God is, of course, the Trinity. We believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has made us in his likeness. Of course, we are not the fullness of his image, <laughs> but however, we are, a chip, we are from his, his likeness. And he's made us three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. You want to know why? There will never be another you. God put a, a, a unique soul and spirit in you, and you have a unique body. Even identical twins are, are, have differences. And I'm telling you, this is miraculous. Our God is awesome. He created us for a purpose he created all of us for a purpose, as he told Jeremiah. But I think we, get, we need to be reminded today that God made us for fellowship. Now, I'm thankful that every child that is aborted, every life that's snuffed out before it's given a chance, they are in the presence of God. <laughs> they are in the presence of God. There's an innumerable host in heaven Many of them, I believe, are aborted children, and many of them are children who are lost in the womb. You know, our family has experienced this multiple times. I have babies in heaven that I look forward to meeting. And I'm, I'm telling you, in heaven, <laughs> these, ch these children, I don't know if they're in childlike form. I, I believe maybe they are in adulthood. I don't know if there's children. We don't really know that in the Bible. Uh, it doesn't tell us. However, they are in the presence of God. David said it when his, his baby, who was born sickly, died. He says, I, he, he is left, but I will go to him. I will be with him. And I want to comfort someone because I know it's something that's not spoken of much in the church, especially from the pulpit, but there are women in this room I know who in the last few years you have suffered a miscarriage. You have gone through the loss of... And what does that feel like? I, I can't imagine. I, I see my wife, you know, every time that she's been pregnant, there's a switch that goes on. 
And she starts to change what she eats. She starts to, she goes out, she goes to the store that day, she goes and gets the prenatals and, and you know, and just, she starts to plan. And it just, you just see just, uh, just a glow comes upon a woman because it's the children of the womb that is, is, a, is a gift from God. It's the heritage of the Lord, and it's a reward, the fruit of the womb. And I'm telling you, and I've walked through her when we've had to sadly, you know, mourn the loss of a child. And uh, those of you who have lost a child, maybe in the womb or outside the womb, there's nothing like that. I ran into a man at the gym yesterday who's, goes to this church, and we, we preached his son's funeral. And they were best friends, and, and I just, the Holy Spirit told me to stop and just talk to him for a while, because even though it's been almost a year, that wound is still there. And uh, I just want us to understand the, the sanctity of life, the value of life. There's no... There's nothing that on this side of heaven we can, no value we can put on it. We are made for fellowship with him. God desires a relationship with every human. And he has a purpose for us. We're made to glorify him. God gives life. He gets glory from from life. And I'm telling you, we've got to see it like he does. There's no one you're going to see tomorrow who is not important to God. And I just want to speak for a moment to that, not only to the children in the womb, but I want to speak to, on the other side of that spectrum, the end of life. Uh, in our culture, we've become increasingly intolerant towards people who are getting older and sickly. And many don't visit their loved ones. They place them in homes. They don't honor their parents in their last days. And I think God is grieved by this as well. And I want to speak to some of you in this room. I know certain health conditions don't tend to you having your loved one with you, you know, but that's a small percentage of it. Most of it is because of inconvenience. I'm too busy. I have too much going on. I, I, you know, this would inconvenience me to have to take care of my grandparent or my parent. And I just want to rebuke you this morning because I'm telling you, God will not count you blameless if you treat your loved one in the last of their, their years in such a way when you discard them. And I'm telling you, I've gone to the, the, the elder, elderly home, the care homes, and I've seen people light up. I purposefully go before this, this stupid COVID, sorry, I shouldn't say that, COVID stuff. <laughs> I would go. And, you know, I would be blessed more than they would. And I bring my kids. I always bring one of my kids with me because you see the family. The people light up when they just see a child. Some of them have not seen their grandkids. To the shame of many people. And I've stood at enough funerals and see the regret in people's eyes. And I told my wife before we were married, hey, one of your parents, if either of our parents get sick and they can't take care of themselves, we are going to take care of them. And I tell my kids, I line them up often, and I tell them, I say, in one of your houses, there better be a space for me and mom. We saw, I was, I was with my son the other day dropping off grandma at her, her place, and 
I've been trying to get my mom to move in with us, but she's she's likes her freedom. She likes her space. And uh, um, there's this, this couple in this elderly facility, and they're just they're riding their their little their scooters side by side. And I turned to my kids. I forget who's in the car. I said, "Hey, that's one day. That's going to be mom and I, and we better have a space in your house just to remind you, you know." But with all seriousness, I think God. I think there's other cultures who get this right. You go to the Asian culture and the elderly are held, the, the gray hair, they're, they're held in high esteem and they're honored and their wisdom. Oh, I miss, I would go and sit by my grandmother's house mostly because she cooked a fresh meal every day. <laughs> I mean, from the South, I mean, everything you can think of, gumbo. And I just loved her. And I would sit down with her. We'd watch Bonanza. <laughs> And she'd tell me about her daddy. I have in my, in some of my personal possessions, I was given one of her notebooks. She had begun to write her life story. She, she grew up. She was on a sharecropping. She was just a generation outside of still some parts where people were sharecropping, where they were just fresh out of slavery. And um, she was built different. <laughs> that generation, they appreciated things. They worked hard. And they honored their, their, their families, their, their parents. And, and uh, she would just tell me stories about her, her dad. And I just listened. And I know that I was going to leave with a full stomach. And she was happy to just have time with her grandson. And I'm just telling you, some of you parents, you need to make some decisions today about that, too. Where, where you are in, that, in those type of relationships because life is important to God and everyone in our lives are image bearers and we should glorify God in that. Life is of the utmost importance because it's God's gift. He is the giver of life. We are image bearers and then lastly today we are called because of the sanctity of life we are called to stand to make a difference. We are called to defend life. We are called to preserve life. We are called to fight for those without a voice. I believe this is what God is saying. You guys know that God hates the shedding of innocent blood? These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination. The first one is a pride, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. That includes in the womb. And what God hates, we should hate. In Nazi Germany, the first that were killed were those who had infirmities. They started off rounding up those who were senile, those who were had mental disabilities, who were aged, the elderly. They, they, they uh, started rounding up the defective children first. Oh, in America, let me tell you, uh, those who are found in the womb to have Down syndrome and other type uh, of, of birth uh, maladies, they are, 90% of them are aborted. And then, as they continue to slaughter people, as the war approached, World War II, 
They then begin to round up the undesirables, the epileptics, the children with, with the defects, bedwetters even, um, and they begin to transport them to these killing centers. And it was called the Charitable Transport Company for the Sick. And today we live in a culture where Planned Parenthood is called women's health care. When just a few years ago, our vice president went after a man who was exposing someone from Planned Parenthood who were selling body parts of infants. And she prosecuted him with every, with every uh, force of the laws. They raided his home. I'm telling you, it's demonic. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. This is about the devil, and he hates human, he, human life. He wants to snuff out the life of every child in the womb that he can. And we can't just sit back and, and just twiddle our thumbs and go to Starbucks and not even seek God's face to, to come against that. Come on. We get fired up about other things. A German man told his story, and you've heard this from Pastor, this story about how how the Christians reacted when this is going on in, in Nazi Germany. This elderly man told the story of the Holocaust. He said, I consider myself a Christian. I attended church since I was a small boy. We heard the stories of what was happening to the Jews. But like most people in America, we tried to distance ourselves from the reality of what was taking place. What could we do to stop it anyway? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning, we would hear the whistle from a distance, and then the clacking of the wheels moving over the track, we became disturbed when one Sunday we heard cries coming from the train as it passed by. We grimly realized that the train was carrying Jews. Week after week, the train whistle would blow. We would dread to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew that the Jews would begin to cry out as they passed our church. It was so terribly disturbing. We could do nothing to help these poor people, yet their screams tormented us. We knew exactly at what time the whistle would blow, and we decided that the only way to keep from being so disturbed by the cries uh, was to start singing our hymns. If some of the screams were to reach our ears, we'd just sing a little louder until we could hear them no more. Years pass, and no one talks about it much anymore, but I still hear the trains whistle in my sleep. I can still hear them crying out for help. God forgive us. You know, Christians have been at the forefront of every major moral turnover in most societies. You know, slavery was abolished by a preacher fighting John Wesley, who once was a slave trader, Abraham Lincoln who feared God, who had a praying stepmom. He, he was led to the Lord by his stepmom. 
But you talk to most most pulpits today, oh, let's not talk about these political issues. You're too political. You know, either people will be governed by the Holy Spirit or they'll be governed by law. Either they'll be governed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit or by law restraining. And And I think that we to seek the first, we should be trying to win people to Jesus Christ because people with the Holy Spirit within them, they, they make different choices. They value life differently. I'm telling you, that should be our main focus. But when we aren't able to, we also need to pursue and fight in the other avenues. Truth is, we're like them. We just turn up the fun and the entertainment, we distract ourselves from what is happening down the street. I'll never forget, I was working at Enterprise here at Palmdale shortly before I came on staff here, and, and I, I got a call to go pick up a customer. You know, Enterprise would pick you up, right? <laughs> and they bring you in and to rent your car, and I was the new management trainee, so they would send me on most of the pickups. And so I go pick up the people, and, uh, and I'll never forget this pickup because I picked up one of the employees at Planned Parenthood and my stomach just dropped when I knew where I was pulling up to because I knew what was going on behind those doors. And, uh, you know, I couldn't muster it up to say anything. I mean, what would it, what would it do if I said something to this woman? And, and, uh, but I tell you what, I was praying. You know, I think the first thing we need to do to stand for life is to get on our knees. To really pray about it. I mean, really ask God to baptize us in his anguish over what is going on and pray. Humble ourselves and pray. I heard that somewhere. Prayer moves mountains. Things that seem to be impossible can happen if if God's people started to really pray. But the prayer meeting is still the the Cinderella of the church. We got to pray. We got to serve. You know, there's an opportunity we see here with Karenette. And I just want to encourage some of you this morning to sign up, to serve, to give up your time, to be a volunteer, counselor, to talk to these young women and men and encourage them to keep those babies. And I think some of us, we need to determine that we're going to serve on a more deeper capacity too, that we're going to be willing to open up our home, that we're going to be willing to foster we're going to seek out adoption. You want to know what the enemy is in this whole system. This whole system is backwards. It's demonic. Why is it that an abortion is $400, but to adopt a child, you're looking at tens and thousands, tens and twenties of thousands of dollars. It's backwards. Maybe some of you, that's what God will have you to be, to be the bankroll. To say, hey, we have a family in our church who's willing to adopt. We'll pay for it. Come on. Oh, there's some people in this church who 
could do that and wouldn't miss a beat. We got to do something about it. We can't just turn up the, the music and, and, and just allow these children to go to the slaughter. We got to pray. We've got to serve. We've got to give. I, you know, my heart is, and I, I feel like I dropped the ball last year. My heart is to, to lead the charge with this. And God put it on my heart while seeking him at the beginning of 2021. And, and uh, I'm in constant contact with, a, with some men, Seth, who called me the other day, Seth Gruber, who came to this church. And, and I would say look that up if you, if you weren't here for that. Um, and others with organizations that are on the front lines with this. And we have people in our church who go to these walks for life and, and, and organizations like Love Life and others who we can partner with, who we can be involved with if we choose. And if, if you guys want more information about that, there's going to be a sign-up sheet in the lobby. And we will reach out to you. We will connect you. And, and this year I'm, I am determined to do more, not just to preach about it, but to do something about it. And uh, we're called to do that. We're called to stand in the way. We're called to stand in the gap for this generation and for the next, I truly believe. This morning, the sanctity of life, I'm going I'm to leave it there. Life is valuable because of who is the giver of life. It's our Lord. God gives life. He values life. He puts a premium on life. He knows every life that's conceived. He knows the purpose for that life. He knows the frame. He makes every life. He's the giver. They are all image bearers. We are all image bearers of God. There's an immense value to that. We've got to look at everybody like that. If you're here this morning, I want you to know that God loves you and he values your life and he wants a relationship with you if you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior, today would be a great day to receive him. He loved you, died for your sin. He's made a way for you to have the forgiveness of sin and a home of he in heaven. He values you. He thought you were worth dying for. He thought I was worth dying for. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? We've got to stand. I don't know what that looks like. I don't have all the answers. But well, we got to do something. I think we start with the prayer. We start with praying, seeking God. I think he will give us the answers. He will lead us in the way. He will show us what to do. If you're even, maybe there's some who's thinking, who's in that valley of decision right now, I just want to say we love you, we're for you, we'll help you. We have resources. We will help you with the needs. Um, not a week goes by where this church, we aren't helping people. We, we do a lot of it quietly. But our heart is to, if a single woman walked through this door, she was pregnant and she wasn't sure what to do, we would be able to meet needs immediately. And I just want to encourage you as a church family, continue being generous to the Lord because, because of you and your faithfulness in that area, we're able to do those type of things.
And I think that's God's heart.